Succumbing to a memory, I shall not, from this sunny, lavish living room, sipping a minty from a copper teapot, munching a cookie I made a few days ago in my kitchen. It was my first time to make cookies, the ring I knowledge didn't have. I used a rolling pin to crush the dough, and I felt the crash onto my skin, just I felt it 20 years ago. Joyful playing in the kitchen in that afternoon my mom was cooking. A trinkle pulled out the rolling pin from my mother's hands, just opening the door when you were coming here. Thereafter, I rolled under the table, afflicted by the repugnant screen. The rolling pin was throwing tears of blood on the walls, some leaking on the table onto my head. I believe my eyes were heavily splashed before I saw her lying on the floor. A child instinct would have sprinted to her mother or fearful cry to get attention, but I knew, would I get out of that table cover? Outlined next to my mother, admired in blood combustion. I fear not the chronic pain of my mother taking the rolling pin beating. I fear my memory in anger, looking at my own scars when you were gone. Thank you so much for reciting that beautiful piece. I'd love to hear you explain the story behind it, but before we do that, hey everyone and welcome to the second episode of Unnumbed with your host, Nishita Vinodrai. Please allow me to introduce our second guest on the show, Julia Scott. She's a 32-year-old expat living in Dubai. Currently, her job takes her all around the world, and she uses these journeys to get inspired to write about issues and feelings that she feels really strongly about. From a middle-class Eastern European family, Julia was brought up with two older brothers in an environment that seemed normal. Julia has grown up not knowing and not having many opportunities and resources around her that would help her achieve success easily. Reason for which writing is helping Julia to embrace that self-independent side of her and help her break through the boundaries of our society. Julia, talk to us about what inspired you to write this piece. What are you trying to highlight here? Uh, first of all, thank you, Nishita, for having me here, and hello to everyone. And uh, I would like to begin by taking you to one of the days in my life as a child. Wrapped in a soft blanket, I was sitting on my dark green sofa, enjoying my favorite poems by Dickinson, sipping a cup of tea and enjoying the cookie I made the other day. Too comfortable. As I break the cookie into half, um, a sudden memory invaded my thoughts, painful enough to pause my moment of peace. In a spin of seconds, I was transported in my childhood uh, kitchen where my mom lovingly made chocolate chip cookies for our family. In a homely yet basic kitchen with a brick oven, a cooking table, some wood clay pots, my mom made delicious pies. That day, my mom was molding the dough for the pie, throwing it up, smashing it down and rolling it around her hands. You know, just like those Turkish ice cream sellers we see in Dubai. Meanwhile, my dad usually comes home from work late in the evening, or sometimes he wouldn't show up at all. Um, That day, he came just before the dinner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He entered the yard, hurried to the kitchen, and grabbed the same rolling pin my mom was was using to make those delicious pies. Um, I saw him shaking drunk, slurring words while swinging the rolling pin over my mom's head. I heard, her, I heard her yelling, please don't hit me, but my dad would just reply with nothing. 
it would play in front of me, you know, as a as a movie. I saw my mom's feet ready to break into a run, but her screams told me she couldn't make it any farther. As I saw her fall in front, I watched the blood flows river into the kitchen, her eyes closed. I watched him leave, not scared, just entranced by the moment that now defined my whole childhood. Soon, I just learned to numb myself of these episodes kept happening again and again, finding myself immune to the sudden violence. But even at seven years old, I understood this wasn't the definition of a family love. Years later, when my father died, I cried dry tears at his funeral. All I could remember was bloody mornings, bloody afternoons, evenings, nights, all of them in the expense of uh, my mom's desperate screams and of helplessness. Thank you so much for sharing with us what I could only imagine to be one of the most difficult things you had to endure in your life. When violent abuse comes from someone who has promised to love and protect you, it can be a terrifying shock. For some victims, this initially unexpected behavior is simply written off. It is seen as a one-time thing. Once it starts to become a recurring problem, unfortunately, sometimes excuses are still made or those affected are fully aware of the issue but feel as though they have nowhere else to go. As one survivor put it, being under the constant threat of domestic violence makes one feel as though he or she is living lives crunched up in a box, their hopes, dreams, emotions, and opinions stuffed away and controlled by their abuser. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, on an average day, domestic violence hotlines nationwide receive over 20,000 calls. One in three women and one in seven men have been victims of domestic violence in their lifetime. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. These numbers are just statistics, but today we are talking to somebody who has suffered through the same problem that is so prevalent during this year. Julia, from this childhood incident that you shared with us, it seems like you started witnessing these episodes at a very young age. Exactly at what age do you remember being exposed to a similar episode and how did it evolve over time? I was about seven years old from what I can recall. Um, and I've seen these episodes on several occasions. I would be in the house with my mom crying, bruised, while my dad was furious, nervous, uh, sometimes screaming and most usually drunk. All these episodes pretty, pretty much summarizes my family routine. And it's so ironic to call something so terrifying and brutal a routine. Um, there is this incident I remember so clearly. My mom walked into my room and she said, I really need to cut my hair. As I looked at her hair, Beautiful, beautiful hair. I could not imagine why she would do it. But today, I know she was just trying to protect herself from my, from my father. I hated being a railbird in this races until the day he hit me as well. From that day, I started to experience my mother's pain. And that was the moment I understood that what I was witnessing in those episodes with my mom was violence, was pain. Um, over time, this looming fear had settled in my mind and whenever I was doing something wrong, I knew what to expect. 
and sometimes I I didn't know. A lot of time it could come out of nowhere and I was terrified. I was so terrified that I would be punished because I did something wrong. That life lasted until actually my father got sick and um, he died. So for, for someone to choose to cut her own hair to protect herself from an abuser is awful. And I think it's a lot more awful when it comes to your mom because you would think in certain part of societies we have these lawful organizations that would protect us that still are not able to do so. And that's why so many women right now are suffering through domestic abuse in silence and without any help. And I think that's what really domestic abuse does. It sheds away every other priority you have in your life, leaving survival the only focus. Your mother sounds like a really strong woman, though. Can you please describe to us what was she like? Um, with three kids to raise, a monster to fear and a farm to manage because we were living in a farm, um, I believe she is the most relevant example of what definition of endurance could be. Um, she also had a very demanding and dedicated job. Um, she was a doctor. Um, I believe her natural call was to care for other people and hence for our family. Uh, every single day after work she would come home and guess what? She would start her second shift, which was family. Every single day um, I'm also thinking how many people nowadays would have this resilience. Um, I learned this from her and I'm really proud for that. I realized it through a recent event in my life. She could not afford though, the luxury of free time, personal interests, or even consider having hobbies, you know, like the majority of mom have nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> you said your mother is a doctor, which might have helped her move out of such a violent home. Why do you think she chose to not leave and remained married to your father? I think she didn't choose to leave because she feared the scrutiny of her family and the society around her. Um, this was relevant though in that time and uh, it would be considered shameful, shameful for her to divorce and move out of the house. Um, moreover, they would characterize her as um, responsible and uncaring towards, towards us, her children. And combined with the lack of financial independence, it would make it even very, very difficult for her to leave. Um, although, in my opinion, money should never be the reason for someone to be forced to stay in an unsafe environment as my mom did, uh, but unfortunately for her, this, this was the reality. Thank you for sharing this with us because through this we have an understanding that the abuse isn't specific to some profession or a certain ethnicity that it is a, indeed a global issue forcing many women to live in an unsuitable conditions with her children. Julia, could you please describe what your current relationship with your mom is like? Um, we have a simple respectful relationship and uh, out of um, respect for her age and life struggles that she had, I don't think she would understand me enough. Uh, I also think she never felt like bringing the subject on the table or discussing it. And to be honest, I don't know her reasons. Uh, but now that I became aware of this introspective, I, um, 
I need to work on it before it affects me actually too much. And because of the past cold relationship we had, it's very unnatural to do it right now. I'm not saying it's too late, but it doesn't feel right. Um, I guess I need to find a way to live with it and uh, find a way to understand what she's gone through and the time she's living and just respect that as it is. Yeah. Would you do things differently if you had a daughter who witnessed similar episodes or who went through similar things that you did? Um, I would definitely give her the power of speech and let her talk to me about the way she feels. I would also understand if she doesn't and if she chooses not to do so. But coming from my own experience, I would encourage her to talk to me and encourage her to find proper help. But as I said, I'll, uh, I'll leave the choice up to her. And I think there's a direct contrast with how you define your relationship with your mother and how it would be if it was your own daughter. You said you would give her a choice to talk or not. And I don't think our parental generation had similar opportunities. Suppressing emotions was considered strong and important for survival. And so they chose not to speak to their kids about it, which is why maybe you had a re respectful relationship and couldn't breach through that barrier where you both would be comfortable discussing what happened when you were young. Today, we have a lot more understanding of psychology and emotions. And for a better understanding, could you talk about what your dad was like? Well, to be honest, I really have mixed feelings about his persona because as aggressive as he was, he would turn the next second and would be the sweetest father ever. Um, he loved me, but his behavior often was proving otherwise. He was educated, hardworking. Um, he was handling multiple businesses as well. He had lots of friends, something that I think I inherited from him. And um, I can't say that I did miss anything. It was just in his genes, or I'm not quite sure how to explain his aggression. Seemed like he was happy to do it, especially to my mom. His behavior towards my mom and all of us made me wonder if love equals pain. If love could ever be only good, you know. I understand. And I think having such a contrasting relationship with your father where he has these moments where he shows you this loving side of him and then the other moments where he shows this aggressive side, it really sort of plays a game in your mind, especially when you grow up. Because love, when it's only good, sometimes doesn't even feel enough because you crave for something that sort of feels more like home, you know? Right. And yeah, so what do you... So can you help me define how your relationship with your father was like till he was alive? Well, um, as I said from the beginning, I was the only girl in the family and um, he kind of loved to protect me. He was kind and made sure I did not lack anything. But at the same time, I cannot explain his aggression towards me. I cannot explain this contrast contrast between his love and his aggression. Uh, when he got sick, he asked me to take care of him uh, more than my mom did. And despite the loving side, I had developed a fear towards him because I knew sometimes he would, you know, beat me without reason. 
or just because he was getting angry. If I think now, I feel like he had something against women. He would hardly hit uh, my other two brothers though. But when there was something wrong, he would come first to me. Um, he loved me. I think he loved me exponentially, but sometimes he would turn into so much aggression towards me. I didn't really understand his moves, his moods, his swings, why they would occur and what why they would occur actually in such contradiction, you know, between yeah. love and and this aggression or suffering which which I have. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would ask the same question and they would go like, my father's really loving or my husband's very supportive, etc. So maybe I should be more understanding about his negative side or maybe I should find a way to live with it, etc. But one of the important things to understand about your abuser is the concept of male retention behavior. A series of three studies at Florida Atlantic University focused on tactics used by men to continue and protect their relationships. And some of these signs are vigilance over the partners, emotional manipulation, calling to make sure the partners where they said they would be threatening retaliation. There would be often a lot of insults. There'd be a way to pull them down. And all of this because it was important to take control of their abused, abused person's life. And the more they can control them, control them the, less, the lesser they have any fear of, you know, being opened or being, you know, exposed into the society. And another interesting thing is, like, you talk about how your dad didn't allow you, uh, sorry, allow your mom to go for work. And that is also a very, you know, a very good example of male retention strategies. Because of this, uh, the unemployment rate in women when she's abused increases exponentially because her abuser would choose to weaken her financial position in order to gain more control of her life. So this is what your dad would also be trying to do to your mom because subconsciously he's a lot more happier when she's not going to work, which means she's more in control of him. And in one of the research by Dan Anderberg and Tanya Wilson in Unemployment and Domestic Violence Theory and Evidence, it states that when a female faces a high unemployment risk, her low ex expected future earnings would make her less inclined to leave her partner even if she were to learn that he has a violent nature. Anticipating this, a male with a violent predisposition has no incentive to conceal his true nature. Thus, high female unemployment leads to an elevated risk of intimate partner violence, which is why no matter the profession of the woman, she would still find it hard to maintain her efficiency at work. So now, moving away from past and from, you know, basically understanding why an abuse, abuser behaves in a certain way and what are the symptoms that you look for, let's go a little bit to your present. Can you please talk about how you coped with it when you moved out of your home and basically what, were, what was your mental health condition like when you weren't any, any more living with this? Mm. So um, I was 18 actually when I left home, uh, but I, I became aware what I, reali I realized much later in my life that what I had experienced was not normal, what I had experienced in, in the past. Um, it was not the love and protection one's family is supposed to provide. Uh, my neighbor's friends knew about it, for example, uh, felt it and sometimes even witnessed it. 
but I never talked about it. Um, I would say I'm a, I'm a little bit introvert in when it comes to this uh, to this subject. But unfortunately, it was just a normal thing in my family. Uh, I'm sorry to say this, but the, the 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 terminology I'm using, the fact that it became a routine. Now I'm I'm telling you that it was normal. Yeah. It's it's because it it was coming it it was happening so often. And when I left home, I had different priorities. I didn't think about it anymore. Um, since it was not there, and I was not living in that violence, all just felt good. It only came back when I was, when I had an incident, and um, I was aggressive towards one of my partners. To be honest, I could not believe it. It was actually happening to me. I just could not believe it. Um, then I had it over a few incidents, even towards myself. Um, then I saw a pattern. I realized it was coming from my, from my roots. It was coming from somewhere impregnated, you know, into the past or into my character. Something stronger than, than a, um, a present factor, you know. And every time it occurred, it occurred. Sorry, it made me. Feel feel bad because I knew that was not the right way. I knew there was not a solution. I knew there was not what love equals to. So from that moment, I started to be aware of what, um, from that moment, actually, I started to be aware of, 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 of it. And, and for a while, I tried to avoid any possible incidents occurring. Um, however, soon I realized avoidance was not to help. I started different traditional methods like meditation, awakening that little child in me, forgiveness. Um, and forgiveness, to be honest, first I did it for myself and then towards my dad, which was, I would call, I would, I would say the biggest enemy in, in this um, scenario. Um, I started to give more love than to ask and I naturally created a flow of positivity energy around me and I've created a shield of protection where I don't let this ever come close to me but also not let it burst again so just to kind of summarize it because I lack I lack a lot of love in that timing uh, right now I feel I have a lot to give so and I also felt this is helping me you know because I think I think naturally we 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 do things like this. Whatever we lack, we tend to give. It's a, it's a very hard work, though. Yeah, <laughs> I must warn you. It's it is a very hard work. It is, and you have to really put yourself out there, even if you know it doesn't work out always. And you know it's interesting when you talk about the fact that because your father was aggressive, you grew up, and years later you kind of started to realize that you have the same aggressive, you know. Um, character and it, even though it was nothing in comparison to your dad but it was still like um, the it was still you know there in you and I've I've spoken to a lot of people and during one of my conversation with the therapist she described to me the pattern of a victim and because they have lived and frequently watched so much abuse at home it becomes their idea of comfort so many victims, when they grow up, they try to recreate the turbulent and violent world so they could subconsciously relate to their violent past. Sometimes they do that by becoming the victim again, and other times by trying or emulating the abusers themselves.
However, it takes integrity and emotional understanding to distance yourself from what you know and learn new ways of coping and living. So can you tell me how did this change you as a person? Well, it makes me think what life could be like filled completely with love. Um, it also make me, uh, makes me understand the value of, of, uh, of family. It makes me understand the value of self-work and peace within myself. Uh, but this also could be a, a piece of advice to our parents. Um, it, it gives me clear indication that childhood may play, I think actually it plays a very important role on what that child becomes as a human, as a professional, and as a spiritual individual. So childhood would play a very, very important role in, uh, into his future, if I can call it. What would you say to a woman going through what your mom did? Um, very simple and short. She shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed if, if she's going through domestic violence. Uh, more important, no matter how difficult it is, um, she must find a way out and she must talk to someone and leave that violent home, you know. Um, she must understand where is the grey zone, as you called it, and if it goes into white and black, she just has to make a choice. Yeah, I agree. As much as the light in the tunnel seems far away, talking to someone would be the step one to moving out of that home. Understanding that your abuser's anger and violence is not invoked because of you, but because of the problems within his nature that he must resolve, or she must resolve. Domestic violence is not just an individual or even a family issue, but a problem that has the capacity to have negative consequences on society. Negative developmental impacts on children exposed to trauma impacts their schoolwork and mental health. Survivors of domestic abuse may suffer the consequences of lost wages and lost financial support from an abusive spouse or partner. How can we help to reduce and prevent domestic violence is an important question. To begin with, government grants that support organizations that provide shelter, hotlines, and counseling with other essential needs of those living in domestic violence are necessary and beneficial. Safety net programs like food assistance, temporary housing, and childcare vouchers might not be the support that one, that one first thinks of domestic violence victims, but they can be crucial in providing the economic stability that is so necessary for victims to feel as though they're stable enough on their own to live the abusive situation and more specifically have move out of home. Julia, what can an individual do to move out of an abusive home? Well, I think it's very essential to build outside resources and talk about what's going on in your relationship, especially if this is a case of violence. And this is, uh, you've just said it, this is uh, valid for both males and females. Yeah. Um, a professional is the best person, in my opinion, to address the issue to, uh, because you can build your self-esteem, you learn how to help yourself without feeling judged or rushed into taking action. If you can't afford um, a private individual therapy, 
find a low fee clinic in your city or learn all you can from books and online resources you just mentioned it um, uh, earlier There's, there is so so many available resources online right forums groups or uh, local women's groups etc um, and I would advise from the bottom of my heart and with the respect towards the pain my mom had lived do this even if it makes you keeping it a secret in your heart it's going to be difficult it's going to be hard but you are entitled to your own privacy and at the end of the day it's only you who knows how it feels i've just mentioned this but it, it it is it is very true. Nobody lived yes. your life, and you cannot you cannot give it simply to someone else. And in this cases of violence, even even more, it's the case yeah. even more than uh, than yeah. any other cases. So don't stay alone. Yes, talk out. Yeah. So I think I agree with you. You should talk about it, and most importantly, realize that there's nothing to be ashamed about it. That this is an issue that's you know, very prevalent in the society. And yes, even though many people would not understand it, you know, exactly what you went through, it is always better to open up and, you know, reach out to other people. But most importantly, don't wait for the next attack. Do something before that happens. If you're threatened by abuse, call Dubai Foundation for Women and Children Helpline 800-111. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Unnumbed. If you have any feedback, drop us an email or message us on our Instagram page called Unnumbed. If you have a story you would like to share with us as part of the series, please write to us on our Instagram or email. Thank you.